The 10th chapter of the book of Romans is the text under the title of From Where Does Faith Come? Or What is the Origin of Faith? And I'm reading from verse 14 of chapter 10. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Now there's some Bible words that are kind of like the drapes that hang at your picture window for a long period of time. And they, on the other side, where, you, where they're exposed to the sunlight, they kind of faded. And there's some Bible words like that that have kind of been drained of their original meaning. And the original, the original meanings kind of faded. And we still use the words, but they're devoid of their original meaning. You know some of those Bible words. Faith is one of them. Now faith is native to our nature. You couldn't exist today without faith. You're exercising faith as you sit on that pew. Every time you fly in an airplane, you're exercising a great deal of natural faith. And you go to the doctor and he or she writes out a prescription that you can't read for a medication, the name of which you can't pronounce. And you take it to the pharmacist and he gives you a medicine that tastes like it's going to kill you. And you go ahead and take it. You're exercising natural faith. But that faith and the faith by which a man commits himself to Jesus Christ are really not the same. They operate the same way. We talked about that in that sermon on a misplaced faith. They operate the same way, but they're really not the same. It's kind of like an AM and FM radio station. They operate the same way. They have transistors and tubes and transformers and all that kind of stuff. But the AM station cannot move in the realm of the FM station so that there is something different about biblical saving faith, the faith by which a man commits himself to Jesus Christ. The question is, where does that, from where does that come? And what is its origin? If this biblical faith is the fountain from which everything flows in the Christian life, the one prime essential, then from where does it come? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm, that's what I prepared to talk to you about. Now, I want to say three things this morning about this biblical faith. And one builds on the next. It kind of crescendos. So you need to begin with me and you need to finish with me in this. Most important sermon on faith one could ever preach. 
The first thing that needs to be said is that faith comes. Did you notice that? Faith cometh, if you have a King James. Faith comes. What he's saying is that it is not original equipment. And it is not something that you produce yourself or manufacture yourself. It is a gift of God. And the faith that believes is a faith that is imparted to man from somewhere else, from an outside source. So Paul put it like this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And he's talking about the whole realm of the, of the saving experience, not just being saved. What he's saying is, is that and even the faith by which a man believes is imparted to him as a gift from God. And that which is necessary for a man to believe, that which enables him to believe, is itself a gift that is imparted to him from God. It comes from God. Now, I don't know how many times people have said to me, well, I'd like to believe, and I'm trying to believe. I'm doing my best to believe in the Lord. You see, the real struggle of faith is not the struggle to have it, for God imparts it. It's the struggle of what to do with it once you get it. A number of years ago, I went through a time when I couldn't sleep. And I'd wake up wee hours of the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I'd just lie there tossing and turning on my bed. And I mean, trying to get up at 6 or 7 o'clock to go to work and getting two or three hours of sleep wasn't doing me much good. And so I decided I'd try to find out what's the problem here, and I got me some material on sleep disorders, and I found out I was an insomniac. You know, I've been called some acts, but not insomniac. I found out I was an insomniac, and the consensus was that you can go to sleep if you, if you practice these little procedures. So you, you get a comfortable position, lie on your back, and you relax as best you can. Then you start telling yourself that you're getting sleepy. And so you're saying over and over, I'm getting sleepy. I'm so sleepy. My eyelids are beginning to get so heavy. Now, I won't go through the whole process because I saw some of you a while ago already nodding away. And this will probably just put you over the edge. What, what, what I was finding out there was that I, what they were telling me to do was to convince my mind that I was sleepy convince my mind that what I wanted to happen is going to happen. I mean, it's kind of mind over matter, you see. Now, there's some people who believe that faith is like that. Is that somehow you convince your mind that what you want to be true is true. Mind over matter. It's what Robert Shuler and, and, uh, and Norman Vincent Peale did. I'm not deprecating. I love their books. But what they're talking about is not what I'm talking about. They're talking about mind over matter, convincing your mind that this is going to happen, that you want to happen. What Paul says is this, that when the conditions of conduct and the heart are right, he'll give you all the faith you need to do everything he wants you to do. Now we're going to talk at the end of this sermon about what those conditions are, but I need to say it again. What Paul is saying is that when the conditions of conduct and the heart are right, God will give you all the faith you need to do everything you need to do. For there is a basic principle of the Christian life, it's this, that what God requires of you, He provides for you. 
And if He requires righteousness, He provides it. If He requires wisdom of you, He he provides wisdom for you. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If If God requires faith, and He does, for without faith it's absolutely impossible to please Him. For if He requires it, He will provide it. It comes. All right, second. Faith comes through His Word. Now there are many definitions of faith. The best one I have is this. Faith is man's response to God's revelation. It's just man responding to what he knows about God. And if you'll read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, you'll find that that's all he's talking about in the book of Hebrews. It's just man responding to God's revelation. And so Abraham went out looking for that city God showed him. City whose builder and maker was God. It says that by faith Abraham went being warned of God of things not yet seen, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Now it must have taken a great deal of faith for a man to build an ark, a boat on dry land. It never had rain before. I mean, they'd never seen rain in the history of man. So here's this guy out here building a boat. Why did he do that? And how did he have faith? Well, he was just responding to what God had shown him that one day this whole world is going to be covered with water. For faith is just man's response to God's revelation. Now there are two implications of that. Watch this. The first implication of that is, is this, that faith originates with the Word. Faith originates with the Word. Now sometimes somebody will say to you, I'm a believer and I have faith, but I don't know anything about the Bible, and I don't know anything about, you know, a religion, um, theology. I don't know anything about the Bible, but I still have faith. Well, they might have faith, but they don't have biblical faith. For faith originates with the Word. Manly Beasley used to say, faith is not a leap into the dark, faith is leaping to the light. So that God gives us this light and I leap toward it. I respond to it. It originates with the Word. Second implication is that faith is not a substitute for knowledge. Now there's some people who think that if you have faith you've got to jettison knowledge. I am sick up to here with all those pseudo-intellectuals that say the more ignorant you are, the more faith you have. That you've got to be totally ignorant that the people who have faith are the people who just don't know any better. Well, faith is not a substitute for knowledge. It's not a substitute for reason. It is based upon reason and it transcends it. Now, whereas it is impossible to have faith without the Word, without knowledge, it is also true that people can have knowledge of the Word and not have faith. One of the most appalling and amazing things is that there are so many people who have this enormous grasp of the knowledge of the Word and do not have response to it, don't do anything about it. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, not everybody believed the report of Isaiah. As a matter of fact, they said, who does believe it? Nobody believes it, you see. Now watch this. Faith is not reading the Word. Not long ago, I was helping a lady prepare the funeral for her brother. And he'd not made a profession of faith, and he had no evidence, no fruit of Christianity at all. This is what she said. 
She said, my brother was a deeply religious man because he read the Bible all the time. I mean, he said, she said, he knows the Bible better than I do. I wish, she said, I knew as much of the Bible as he's read that thing through two or three times. Now, it is an amazing thing that a person would read through the Bible. I imagine most of you have never done that. But you could read through the Bible 10,000 times, and that wouldn't guarantee that you have faith. Now, if you're not focused on what I want to do and what I'm trying to do, I want you to focus right here. Because I want to share with you something that you may have never, ever thought about with regard to faith. Now watch this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. That's what he said in verse 17. Now there are two Greek words that we translate into the English word, word. One of those words is the word logos or logos, depending on where you went to seminary. Now, the word logos refers to the entire revelation of God. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. And what he's saying in his prologue, John is saying in his prologue is that Jesus is the entire revelation of God. He's the content of God's revelation. You have a knowledge of Jesus and you have the knowledge of the revelation of God. There is a second word, however, translated word in the English. It's the word of our text. It's the word in the Greek, rhema. Rhema. And it refers not so much to content as it refers to communication. It's like when you say, can I have a word with you? You're not talking about that. You're not saying literally, I got a word with you. I want a word with you. You're saying, can we get together and communicate? Can we talk? So that one refers to content and the other refers to communication. The word rhema, which is in our text, is a word that refers to utterance with an emphasis on hearing. Now watch this. What he's saying is this. Faith comes through the utterance of Jesus. He's not saying that faith comes when you hear somebody preach. He's not even saying faith comes when you repeat words aloud. I was flipping through the channels on the television the other day, and I saw this woman on there, one of the religious stations, and she quoted this very verse. She misquoted it. She said, you know, faith comes by hearing, and so I just repeat the words over and over. I read the, the Bible out loud, and that produces faith in me. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying this. He's saying that when the Logos is being proclaimed, and inwardly Jesus Christ utters in your spirit an affirmation of that word, an amen, that, is where, that's from where faith comes. Now I want you to hear me again. This has happened to you, hasn't it? I mean, you've been sitting, you've listened to a preacher preach, you, you've, had him, you've heard him preach over and over again. Same verses of Scripture. But one day you come, are you, are you hearing me? One day you come, and, and all of a sudden, something happens on the inside of you. Jesus speaks down on the inside of you, and all of a sudden, faith springs. Now he's not saying you can't believe unless you hear about Jesus. He's not saying that at all. Look at that verse 14 with me again. Look at that. 
How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him? Now if you've got a King James, it's of whom, right? You've got a King James, the real Bible? It says, of whom? I want you to take a pencil right now and I want you to scratch it. You're not going to desecrate the Bible. Just scratch out the word of. It should not be there. The New American Standard has, has it correct. Look at this. How shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? Now one says that you can't believe in Jesus unless you hear about Him. The other says that you can't believe unless you hear Him, period. What an amazing discovery. Faith comes when all of a sudden there is this communication in the inner man affirming the Logos from Jesus Christ Himself. Now, somebody's asked me, well, how, do you, how, does, how does God speak to you? How does Jesus speak to you? Well, I don't know how He does it, but let me tell you something. When He does it, you're sure going to know it. And I'm talking to little kids sometimes, and, and we're in sun, maybe in Bible school, and I'm talking to them, and they're all just kind of messing around. You know how kids do, some doing now? And uh, kind of messing around like normal kids. And I talk to him, I, I, I maybe just talk to him about Jesus and, and talk, start talking to him about his death on the cross. And you can just see in some of them something happened. And there is in their little pliable, uh, moldable spirit this, this willingness to hear. And, and all of a sudden you just know that Jesus speaks to them and they leap in faith. Now what Paul is saying is, is that faith comes when I hear Him. When the divine enablement to hear comes. Faith comes when Christ confirms what has been said in His Word. Alright? So, number two. First, faith comes through His Word. The final one. To the heart that's prepared to hear it. Now does it seem strange to you that if faith is a gift from God, why are you held accountable for not having any? Does that seem strange? Does that seem fair? I mean, if faith is imparted from God to you, why are you held accountable if you don't have faith? Why am I accountable if I don't have faith, if faith is a gift? In the 18th chapter of the book of Luke, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? And then He goes on to describe what's going to happen if He doesn't. And the implication of that question in its context is this, that when the Son of Man comes, He ought to, ha he ought to find faith on earth. Because He's willing to give faith if I'm willing to receive it. Now listen to me carefully. The Lord is willing to impart, God is willing to impart faith to you when you're ready to receive it. Now that's the problem with Israel. Israel wasn't ready to receive it. 
And so look down in verse 21. It says, But as for Israel, he says, All the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and an obstinate people. And those two words describe the reason why Israel didn't receive the faith to believe. They were disobedient and they were obstinate. Let me tell you what those two words mean. The word disobedience means an unwillingness to be persuaded. It means to have a closed mind. It means, okay, tell me, but I'm not going to believe it. Go ahead and lay it on me, but I'm not going to believe it anyway. When I preach on Sunday morning, I'm either I'm preaching to, con- to a congregation or a jury. Most of the time I'm preaching to a jury. I hardly ever preach to a congregation. Now you know what a jury is, don't you? A jury is a group of people who takes the evidence and goes off and considers what they believe about it and they're going to do about it. Most of the time I preach to a jury, and most of the time the jury is already prejudiced about what they're going to do. I mean, you, you, now isn't that the truth? Most of the time, you come here because maybe out of curiosity or to hear or to get some information or maybe you come because you feel like it's, you know, it's the thing to do. But how many of you come just to consider and make up your mind about what to do with the la- Israel said, in essence, I'm going to hear this but I'm not going to do anything about it. And the word obstinate means a, a, a disposition that is bent to arguing. You tell me about it, I'm going to show you where you're wrong. You know, does that sound like anybody you know? You, you tell me what it is, and I'm going to show you how, you how you're wrong. Now, I'm going to turn those two words around. I'm going to show you the conditions by which you receive faith. A readiness to obey and a willingness to listen. Hear me now. A readiness to obey means that I come with this commitment. God, I make a commitment. I'm going to do what you want me to do even before I know what it is. I make a commitment that if I have a relationship, I have relationship in my, in my life that are sinful, I'll get rid of them. You show me. Yes, you show me the habits that I have, both attitudes and actions. Yes, Lord, I'm ready to be delivered of them. I'm ready to do what you say do. I'm ready to go where you say go. I'm ready to say what you say to say. I'll do whatever it is, even before I know what it is. That's what I'm talking about. It's like when somebody comes up to you and says, Will you do me a favor? You say, Okay, what is it? Maybe so, what is it? He said, No, I want you to tell me, Would you do me a favor? Well, tell me what it is. He said, no, if you do me a favor, you've got to say I'll do it before you even know what it is. Now, are you ready to do that? What if you said to God this morning, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. And God said, what about that relationship? What about that habit? What about that tithing? You see what I'm saying? There not only has to be a readiness to obey but a willingness to listen. And you say, don't you have them in reverse? Don't you have to be willing to, or don't you have to be willing to listen before you're ready to obey? No, if you're not ready to obey, you're not willing to listen. It's like when you have a student and he wants to argue with you. I used to coach a little dribbler's basketball team, and I had this boy whose father knew all there was to know about basketball. So they talked about it at the supper table. 
everything I was doing wrong. You know, I mean, I didn't know anything about basketball. They just asked this boy's dad. You know, so I'd get out there and I'd try to sh- tell him and he'd argue with me. No, that's not the way you do that. You know, he heard his daddy say that. He wanted to, you know, kind of, kind of Christian way. Now, now before, before God speaks, listen to me, before the Lord speaks to your heart, He's got to know that you're willing to listen to what He says without arguing and do what He says before you know what it is. In the U.S. Naval Institute proceedings, this magazine, this story appeared. Listen to this magnificent story. Two battleships assigned to the training squadron had been at sea on maneuvers and heavy weather for several days. I was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing reported, Light bearing on the starboard bow. Is it steady or moving astern, the captain called out. The lookout replied, Steady, captain, which meant we were in dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman, Signal that ship, we're on a collision course. Advise you to change course 20 degrees. Back came the signal, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, send, I'm a captain, change course 20 degrees. I'm a seaman, second class, came the reply. You'd better change the course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, send, I'm a battleship, change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I'm a lighthouse. We changed course. Good idea. It all of a sudden occurred to me one day when I was reading the scripture that the only person any people believed that Jesus was risen from the dead, the only person anybody believed that that story was true was when Jesus said it. The disciples didn't believe the women. And the women didn't believe the gardener. The only person they believed was when Jesus confirmed it himself. And so Danny Corrin was raised in a Jewish family. And while he was a boy in Dallas, Texas, he went to a career day at high school and he picked out this Baptist preacher was talking and he went to hear him. And the Baptist preacher didn't talk about Christ, but he did stir, he pricked his curiosity. And Danny Corum began to go to a Baptist church to find out what it's all about. And he had this longing to know about Jesus. And so Danny Corum, Danny Corum, if you've never heard of him, is a magician. Some of these tricks you see on television, these famous tricks he invented himself. I saw him in my church one time. He's in my church, true story, make an aquarium disappear with water and fish. I still haven't figured that one out. <laughs> Danny Corum said he went in, he'd go into his room and he'd close the door and he'd get out on his knees and he'd say, Jesus, if you are God's son, would you tell me? And he said, one night I went in my room and I prayed the prayer that I've always prayed. 
He said, I'm not going to tell you what happened. Even physical phenomena happened to me. But he said, when I got down that night and I said, Jesus, are you God's son? God said unmistakably, yes, he is. And Danny Corum said, I came out of that room forever changed. And he led his sister to the Lord. His family disowned him. He believed because Jesus uttered his word. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes, please. Faith comes. Faith comes through his word. Faith comes to the heart that is prepared to receive it. Willing to obey, ready to obey, willing to hear. Would you ask God what He wants you to do? Would you? Our Father, now Holy One of God, would you speak to the heart, to the spirit of man? Now look this way. I assume that what you do in the next five minutes will be in response to what you've heard. And if there is no response, I assume that you're not ready or willing to respond. If God has spoken to you about your need to be saved, come right quick and commit your heart to Jesus in response. And if He's touched your heart about church membership, don't wait till you've checked everything out. Come. Or maybe your own life. There's need in your own life. Would you come while we stand saying you come?